0: Praise the Lord. Uh, Let's just pray. Our Heavenly Father, we say thank you for a time like this. We thank you because you love us. We thank you, Lord, because uh, you're mindful of everything that happens to us. Lord, we say thank you. We thank you for the opportunity to be able to hear your word and to be able to to imbibe it in our lives, Father Lord. Lord, even as your word goes forth, I pray that it will accomplish everything you have set out for it to accomplish. Father, I pray, Lord, that you use me as a vessel to speak what you want your people to hear. And Lord, we pray, Lord, that these seeds that are planted, they will germinate in everyone's heart. I pray for the spirit of uh, focus on everyone that is here, that they will be able to focus and take something from this message, Father Lord. We ask that your name alone will be glorified. For in Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Amen and amen. Um, and what has God has laid on my heart is, the topic is there, rebuilding the altars. Rebuilding the altars. That is what God has laid in my heart for each one of us. Uh, as a message in the first month of the year, we're talking about rebuilding the altars. If I had enough time, I would have asked you to go to your favorite spot in the house. I know some of you will quickly dive to different places. Some will go to their beds and lie down. Some will go to the kitchen and to cook. Some will go to the living room or different things. But you have a place in which is a favorite part. And as Christians, we need to have a dedicated place where we fellowship. And we'll start today by redefining what is an altar. What is an altar? And I have the definition there in the next slide in which it says, an altar... Is usually a raised structure, okay, or a place on which sacrifices are offered or incense is burned in worship. Often used figuratively to describe a thing given great or undue precedence or value, especially at the cost of something else. That's a website dictionary. But take note of certain words a raised structure, place, offered and in worship so take your take take note of those things but in the biblical sense of it okay it's a sacred place dedicated to god that's the next sentence there a sacred place dedicated to god so for us as christians i would like to take the second definition a sacred place dedicated to god and we're going to take a text okay from genesis chapter 8 verse 16 to 22. Genesis chapter 8, verse 16 to 22. Brother Sam, please, can you read that for us? Brother Sam. Brother Sam, chariot.
1: Genesis chapter 8, verse 16 16 to 22. Thank you. Go out of the ark, you and your wife and your sons, and your sons' wives with you. Bring out with you every living thing of all flesh that is with you birds, and cattle, and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, so that they may abound on the earth, and be fruitful, and multiply on the earth. So Noah went out, his sons and his wife, and his sons' wives with him. Every animal, every creeping thing, every bird, and whatever creeps on the earth, according to their families, went out of the ark. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord, and took off every clean animal, and of every clean bird, and offered burnt offerings on the altar, and the Lord smelled a soothing aroma. The Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground for man's sake, although the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth, nor will I again destroy every living thing as I have done. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, and day and night shall not cease.
0: Thank you so much, Brother Sam. Now, that was verse 20. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took of every clean animal and of every clean bird and offered offerings. Now, we have certain examples of altars in the Old Testament. Okay, it's mentioned more than 400 times. And on the screen, you'll see several people that either built an altar or an altar was built. And we're not going to go through these verses, but it's just for you to know what Brother Sam read was the first mention of someone building an altar and that was noah after the flood abraham there are several mentions of all uh, abraham building an altar we'll get into that later isaac jacob moses the Levites himself joshua gideon samuel saul david okay all these men have been recorded that they build an altar is a lot okay and as they built the altar, there were several reasons for building those altars. So we'll go to the purposes of these altars. The purposes of what these altars were built, okay? And one thing you will notice is that at times, okay, man builds an altar. No one builds an altar. At times, God also asks us to build an altar. God instructs us to build an altar. So man can do it. At the same time, God can do it. Now, the first thing is, is a place of worship and surrender. Okay? In Psalm 43 verse 4, I'll read it. It says, Then I will go to the altar of the God, to God my exceeding joy, and on the harp I will praise you, O oh my God, my God. That was David speaking. Okay? Altars are a place of worship and surrender. Okay? And don't forget in the verse where we talked about, in the definition, it mentioned in worship, You cannot have an altar if there's no aspect of worship. Okay? So let's understand that aspect also. That's number one, a place of worship and surrender. Number two, it's a place of sacrifice and covenants. A place of sacrifice and covenants. Okay? In Genesis 22, 9 to 10. Then they came to the place on which God had told them. And Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. And he bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. Abraham took a precious offering, a precious sacrifice. Now, it's not only the Christian faith that celebrates this sacrificial giving, even the Muslims. That is why they have the Feast of the Lamb. Isn't it? The Feast of uh, Sacrifice. Now, when you have an altar... There must be a sacrifice, and at times there are covenants that are taking place, okay. And we can see that even in Matthew 5 23 24, it says, Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First, be reconciled to your brother and then come back and offer your gift. That's the New Testament. You're coming to sacrifice something. Number three, okay, is a place of revelation, a place of revelation. In Genesis 5, 9 to 15, then God appeared to Jacob again when he came from Paddan Aram and blessed him. And God said to him, your name is Jacob. Your name shall not be called Jacob anymore, but Israel shall be your name. So he called his name Israel. Also God said to you, I am the God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall proceed you from you. And the kings shall come from your body. The land which I give Abraham and Isaac, I give to you. And to your descendants after you, I give this land. Then God went up from in the place where he talked with him. So Jacob set up a pillar in the place where he talked with him. A pillar of stone. And he poured a drink offering onto it. And he poured oil on it. And Jacob called the name of the place where God spoke to him as Bethel. Okay? There was a revelation for Jacob. About what God has promised Abraham. Now don't forget this was also Bethel. And we'll come down to that. Because God, uh, Abraham also built an altar in Bethel. So it's a place of revelation. A place that God will tell you what he's going to do in your life. Number four. It's a place of prayer and intercession. When a period of prayer and fasting is First Kings 8.22. Then Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in the presence of the assembly of Israel and spread out his hands toward heaven. What am I saying? He prayed there in front of God. We talk of family altars. It's a place where all the family gathers together to pray and to intercede. So those are the purposes of altars. We begin to see them. And there are three more I'm going to mention. Please, I'm taking time for us to be able to understand the significance of why we have altars. It's a place of repentance and consecration. It's a place of repentance and consecration. In Joel two seventeen it says, Let the priest who minister to the Lord weep between the porch and the altar. Let them say, spare your people, O Lord, and do not give your heritage to reproach. That means the nations shall rule over them. Why should they say among the peoples, where is their God? It's a place in which you come. Sometimes we wish we had our own building permanently. You'll see people coming to the altar in front of the church, lying down in front of God, seeking repentance, seeking consecration. Praise the Lord. Number six. Is a place of safety and protection okay there's a story about adonijah in first kings 1 verse 50 to 55 i think i missed the word 55 there okay now adonijah was afraid of solomon so he rose and went and took hold of the horns of the altar and he was solomon saying indeed adonijah is afraid of king solomon For look, he has taken hold of the horns of the altar, saying, Let King Solomon swear to me today that he will not be put his servant to death with the sword. Then Solomon said, If he proves himself a worthy man, not one here of him shall fall to the earth. But if wickedness is found in him, he shall die. So King Solomon sent them to bring him down from the altar. And he came and fell down before Solomon. And Solomon said to him, Go to your house. He ran for safety. He held on to the altar and Solomon had to hear him. Someone was holding on to the altar, and Solomon heard him and forgave him. It's a different case for Joab. Joab went to repeat what Adonijah did, but his own circumstances were different. He was a murderer, and he was put to death. Justice prevailed. But it's also a place of safety and protection. Now, the next one, which for me is very important. If you forget the six don't forget the seventh one is a place of memorials, memorials, remembrance. Okay? Altars marks where we have been with God and where we're going to. Okay? And I'll use Abraham as an example. When Abraham was asked to journey to the promised land, he used altars as Markers. Now, we, myself and you, were going through a Christian life. What are the markers in our lives? The markers in our lives are altars that would have built. Now, Abraham started journeying from where? He started coming from Ur, present-day Iraq, okay? And from there, he moved on to Haran. But we know the first place he settled was in Shechem. Shechem. And God appeared to Abraham at Shechem, okay? A second, God appeared to Abraham at Shechem and told them his promises. Brother Sam, please, do you have Genesis 12, 7 to 9? If you have, please. Genesis chapter 12, verse 7 to 9. Genesis chapter 12, verse 7 to 9.
1: Genesis 12. Verse 79. Seven to nine, yeah. Seven to nine. Yeah, seven to nine, please. Genesis chapter 12, verses seven to nine. Yeah. So, Abraham journeyed, going on still toward the south. Sorry, seven to? Nine. Seven to nine. Then the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, To your descendants I will give this land. And there he built an altar to the Lord, who appeared to him. And he moved from there to the mountain east of Bethel. And he pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and I on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and he called on the name of the Lord. So Abraham journeyed going on still toward the south.
0: Okay. Praise the Lord. Now the story behind this is as Abraham was going to that land, there was famine in Israel okay now this is god telling you to go to a new land and as you're entering that land there was famine and that's why abraham was going down south now as second god had to give him his promise to him okay then when he moved on to bethel it wasn't god that appeared in, to abraham at that time it's abraham that stood his ground and said lord i take over bethel also he built an altar in bethel it wasn't god that asked him to but abraham did that one at bethel but he continued journeying south. until he went to go to Egypt. Now, was God's purpose for Abraham to go to Egypt? No. Okay? It was not his purpose. But Abraham was trying to figure his journey as he was going. So like me and you were trying to figure our journey as we go. I believe going to Egypt was outside the will of God for Abraham. It was also in Egypt someone wanted to steal his wife the economic scenario was so difficult that even someone wanted to steal his wife unless god spoke to that person but one thing with abraham when he discovered he was outside the will of god where did abraham go back to he went back to his former marker in bethel he went back to bethel from egypt because he knew that that's where he met God. He knew that was the last point where he got it wrong. How many times have we gotten it wrong? Have we gotten back to that marker, that memorial that we had before God? I say, God, I'm back here. I'm from Bethel. God took Abraham to Hebron. And that's where Abraham settled. So what am I saying here? I'm saying here, we shall use altars as memorials, as markers in our life. A lot of things happen in our life. A lot of difficulties come in our life. But do we remember how God dealt with us in those areas? Do we have an altar? Do we have a memorial? Do we have a marker of how God sorted us out? Brother Norbert now is going to India. And I think Pastor mentioned it. It's like a, a tedious task. After 34 years, going to a new land. It's almost like Abraham for him. But there are markers that God would have dealt with him for 34 years No Oman. That he will be able to root himself out in India. And he will be settled permanently. Have you succumbed to sickness? How did God deal with you there? What word did God, did God give you there? What agreement did you reach with God there? Are you having a child that's been difficult? What was the agreement between you and God when that child was giving birth to when that child was dedicated, what word did God release pertaining to that child? You have to go back to that altar. You have to go back to that marker. Praise the Lord. So I've given seven points. It's a place of worship, it's a place of sacrifice and covenants, it's a place of revelation, a place of prayer intercession, a place of, of repentance and consecration, and lastly, a place of memorials okay so those were the purposes of altars that we had now altars in the new testament because you say now I've spoken about the old testament let's talk about in the new dispensation in the new testament the altars were not mentioned so much in the new testament it was not significantly mentioned did know highly easy had to have all these solid altars with stones and rocks that were built in the new testament in our own new dispensation if we are meeting in person that pulpit will be known as the altar. Okay? That is what we'll call as the altar. It's a sacred place. It's usually in front of the church. That's why we end up being an altar. At times, sometimes, I, 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 I wonder when, when there are not enough seats in church and we ask some people to come to the altar. You know, nobody wants to go there. <laughs> nobody wants to be put in the, in, in the limelight. And some people say, oh, no, this is only for leaders. But what are we trying to say? We're trying to say is a special, sacred place. But having said that, okay, it's not meant to be a place in front. In the New Testament, the New Dispensation, the altar is a living being. It's the heart of an individual. Do you understand that? You and I are the altars of God. We are the living altars and if you open with me to first peter 2:45 and i will read a verse to, to substantiate that first peter 2:45 it says coming to him as to a living stone rejected indeed by men but chosen by god and precious you also as living stones are built up a spiritual house a holy priesthood To offer us spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You and I are living altars unto God. To offer us spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So you can see He has moved from physical stones to a living human being. And how we structure ourselves to worship God. So I want us each one of us to look ourselves ourselves as an altar consecrate, consecrated unto God. Now you ask me, what is the importance of the altar in the present day dispensation? Okay, and I will tell you one thing. The greatest threat to the church is not religion, is not philosophies is the absence of altars is the absence of altars undefiled altars to god that's why ungodliness and sin is thriving because we as living human beings are not altar unto god we have shrunk you think is the liberal left that is the problem or you think is other religions that are the problem no, it's because there's an absence of altars among the Christian body. That's the greatest strength. That's the importance of altars today. Whenever the devil seems to have having a sway in the life, it's because there's an absence of altars. In Genesis 6, 24 to 32, you find other gods trying to contend with God when there's no altar. in Judges 6, 25 and I'll read it 6 verse 25 now it came to pass the same night that the Lord said to him, take your father's young bull, the second bull of seven years and tear down the altar of Baal that your father has and cut down the wooden image that is beside it and build an altar to the Lord your God on top of this rock in the proper arrangement and take the second bull and offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the image which you have cut down In the absence, there's no vacuum. In the absence of proper Christian altars, something else will be substituted into that. The same thing in 1 Kings. Solomon forgot about the altars of God. And he started chasing other ungodly gods. Offer sacrifices. Where have you and I forgotten the true God and offering sacrifices unto the modern day unto the to be to be to be counted among the fashionable in society we have forgotten the proper altar unto God. Number two revival and restoration. Okay. For revival and restoration to take place, we need to bring down the altars that have been raised up in those places. In First Kings 18:30, then Elijah said to all the people, Come near to me. So all the people came near to me, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. We keep on praying for revival, we keep on praying for restoration. Those broken altars have to be rebuilt. In our homes, things are going downhill. The only way those things can come back to where they were is for us to rebuild those altars. Husband and wife, parents and children, friends, we have to bring, rebuild those altars that were broken down. The way God ordained it, we have to start from there. We have to start from that foundation. When Elijah wanted to do something, he repaired the altar of the Lord. And that's when God's presence came down. When we rebuild and repair the altars in our home. God's presence will come down. Three, divine encounter. In Joshua 8, verse thirty to 31. Now, Joshua built an altar to the Lord God of Israel in Mount Ebal, as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded the children of Israel. And it is written in the book of the law of Moses. An altar of of whole stones, over which no man has wielded an iron tool, And they offered on it burnt offerings to the Lord, and sacrificed peace offerings. So the importance of altars today. The church cannot go down. We need to stand up and build the rightful altars. For revival and restorations in our home, in our church, We need to rebuild the altar of Christ. And the bread of life, there is no laxity. Yes, COVID has brought us home to do online. But that means we cannot be relaxed. We're having service, it should be like we're in person. We have to be restored. Some might be lying down now sleeping. Some might be cooking. I'm multitasking. Now, we need to be in the right place. We need to have to be revived. And the devil knows it. Believe me, the devil knows it. You're worried about COVID, that it's all the health. The health issues are there, but it's killing the church. One thing I praise God about is when the bread of life, when the church was opened, we started... We started maximizing all the numbers we were getting. almost getting to 170. The world was permitted. We were getting that people were coming. Some other Western nations, people are very relaxed. I don't want us to get to that point. Because that's what the devil wants to. Break those altars. Break those places that we meet God. Now, my next point, as I try to round up, I have a few more minutes. Uh, How do we rebuild our altars? how do we rebuild our authors one we need to find a location or venue location or venue location or venue if we're in person we'll go to church but is that the only venue venues can be anywhere it can be a favorite spot in your house that's why i said if i had time i would have said where's your favorite spot There's a place that you can go and sit in your house and you will be able to commune with God. Some people can be in their car. Some people can be in their office. But you have to find that location for yourself where you meet God one-on-one. Sometimes husband and wife, it can be during dinner that they have a lot of discussions. Sometimes can just before they sleep, they'll have the discussion. But there's an appointed time. There's a location. Sometimes husband and wife go out on a date to go and talk, to go and discuss. In John 4, 21-24, Jesus said to her, this was the woman at the well. Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship. For salvation is of, the, is, is, uh, is of the Jews. But the hour is coming. And now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such worship to him. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. And this gives me the fact that it must not be only in church that you have an altar. You need to have one as an individual where you commune with God. I know some people who go to certain mountains and go and pray. I think that I was, there's a thing time Pastor Abraham said here when he first came here. He used to walk up the hill behind his house and that's why you have a lovely time praising and worshipping God. Where is your location? That's my question. That you meet God where is the location that you meet god number two is posture posture when you go to give sacrifices what posture do you do at times people say let's pray some people close their eyes some people are keeping their eyes open some people stand up to pray some people kneel down like elijah and put their heads between their knees but there must be a posture in which you have to commune with God. Of course, God receives our prayers. Whether sitting down, standing up, God receives our prayers. But there's a proper position in which you commune with God. We ask you to go and see Sultan Haitham. right now. I'm sure you get to that you get to that office. You will not sit down unless you're asked to sit down. Am I correct? And when you sit down, there's a proper posture. I don't see us crossing our legs and laying back. I'm talking to the Sultan. No way. There'll be a proper posture. So how do you connect with God? How do you meet God? Number three, practice. And that is where practice, I put it as practice, but it's also discipline. What are the rituals you go at your altar with God? Some people play music to get to the right place with God. I, for one, sometimes when I want to talk to God, I take a long drive. And I play certain Christian songs that gets me in the right frame of mind to speak with God, to commute with God, to, to talk with God. And that's why praise and worship is very critical. I wish we had more time for praise and worship. Sometimes you're in praise and worship, you are getting there, it's getting you ready to communicate with God. So, what is your practice? Do you wake up five o'clock to pray, or is it 10 o'clock at night? Where is the discipline? They say Jesus Christ said you will leave early in the morning to go and meet with God or late at night. Now that's where it's difficult. The same thing, we have various church activities. We have to rebuild those times of fellowship, those times of getting together, those times of prayer, those times of interceding, those times of connecting with God, those opportunities. And that's why I miss church in person. Because sometimes that gives you the opportunity to be able to connect with God. Number three. Number four. I just noticed my time is just finishing. Number four. Sacrificial offering. Don't forget. That. No sacrifice, no altar. Because why are you having an altar? If you're not offering something. So number one, we need to give ourselves. In this new dispensation, we need to give ourselves. one, please, do you have Romans 12.1? If you have Romans 12.1, quickly.
1: Romans, Romans chapter 12 verse, verse one. 1 I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy acceptable to God which is your reasonable service
0: mm-hmm. and I want them to read that it's a common verse but I want us to read that present ourselves as a living sacrifice don't forget I said in a new dispensation we are the altars of God so we have to present ourselves As living sacrifices. Holy and acceptable unto God. Any iota of sin in our lives. We need to make it right with God. That is the only offering that God will take. take. When the beginning of the year. That is what God is asking us. Have you made it right with God? Number two. Our worship. Never come to the presence of God. If you have nothing to thank him about. To praise him, our lips shall be full of praise and worship. That has been mentioned in Hebrews thirteen, fifteen to six. Hebrews thirteen fifteen to six. Brother Sam, can you read that if you have that please? Hebrews thirteen fifteen to six. Hebrews chapter thirteen.
1: Verse 15. Verse 15 to 16.
0: Yes, it is.
1: Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15 to 16. That's Therefore, right. by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. But do not forget to do good and to share. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased.
0: Excellent. Thank you, my brother. Do well to people also, outside. Apart from in our lips, we also have to do others. That's how we worship God. Thanksgiving, praise, and also doing good to the brotherhood. The next one is our time. Our time, which is very, very critical. Our time. We have time for so many things. What time do you have for God? What time do you have for God? As I'm speaking right now, some people are just waiting. Oh, let Brother Marcus just finish. I have my biryani waiting for me on my jollof rice. I need to go and attack it. You know? But to set out two hours to hear from God, it's very important. How much time do you put to speak with God? Some of the times I love speaking with God. It's during my lunch break in the office. I just close my door. And I spend some good quality time with him. What time do you have? Apart from the church program, you as an individual, what time do you have to spend with God? It's a sacrifice. <sighs> I have some people that you ask them to pray, they're always ready in season. Church activities, they will miss out for, without any good tangible reason. But we need that time. Next one, talents. What talents have you used to advance the kingdom of God? We have secular jobs, and the beauty about it: your secular job has a space in God's kingdom. God has given those talents to sustain yourself. But where have you used those talents in God's work? The youth are out there, NG for C. Other people that are not involved in ministry or anything. What have you used your talents for in the household of God? God has bestowed us a lot of talents. But you should use them for God's work. For the kingdom of God. You have to. You have to. It's part of the sacrificial offering. Ourselves. Worship. Time. Talents. And lastly. I'm not going to miss it. Your finances your finances. Some of you think I'll I'll, I'll, I'll miss that one. But no. God has blessed you so you can bless his kingdom. It's a sacrificial offering. What did God give Abraham? He gave him everything. But he asked him for the most important thing, which was Isaac. Sacrificial. And Abraham took Isaac to sacrifice him. God has given us a secular job. And that our finances have become an Isaac. But the difference is we are saying, God, no, I can't sacrifice Isaac. This is my job. I can't give it to you. I can't give my finances. I can't sow into his kingdom. COVID or no COVID, God demands our sacrificial offering, even the form of finances. He can do without it. Let me warn you, he can do without it. But for your own good, something presentable, holy and acceptable to God. Isn't that what they said in Hebrews? Someone is earning ten thousand reals and gives comes and gives one real in church. Is that the best you can do? No. You have to give what commensurate to what God has given you, so that He will bless you. And I'll conclude here. My conclusion is this. As they have heard everything I've said over this time. God is calling you and I to rebuild the altars in our lives. And consecrate ourselves to him in these end times. Rebuild the altars. Rebuild ourselves. ourselves first. In our lives with the living altars unto God. Consecrate ourselves to him in this year. To communicate it with him, to worship Him, with him, to fellowship with him, and the body of Christ. That's what God has called us into. And if by chance you have backslid in your life, you rededicate your life to him and say, Lord, I want to be a presentable, holy sacrifice unto you. I want to build these foundations, I want to get it around. I have gone to Egypt. But I'm coming back to Bethel, where I have met you. And the Lord will bless us. Thank you, and God bless you. Over to you, pastor.